So knowing the power that women have, I mean, we have so much power, right? We have power of influence in like our workspaces, in the PTA, if you have kids around our kitchen table, you know, how we spend our money and voting. I mean, there's just so many ways that we have influence and that white women in particular can use their voice to really make change that we wanted to talk to this group of people that we know have power that we're so familiar with and we know can really lead a lot of change to make our community stronger for all of us. Hey everyone, I'm Maria Sansone and you are listening to Mom to Mom, the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you've been following along with this show at all, you know that we don't shy away from the tough conversations. We like to dive right in, and that's exactly what we're going to be doing today with my guests, Sarah Blanchard and Misasha Suzuki-Graham. They have a new book out called Dear White Women, Let's Get Uncomfortable Talking About Racism. And that's exactly what we're going to do. They are both biracial women, white and Japanese, and they have been talking about race pretty much since the day they met at Harvard. And that's a really interesting story that we're going to get into in the podcast. I had such a great conversation with them. I learned so much as they spoke to me about their experiences and all of the research that they did that went into this book and also their equally provocative podcast with the same name. So we had so much to talk about. So let's get uncomfortable talking about racism with my guests, Sarah and Misasha. Well, Sarah and me, Sasha, two of you today. This is so exciting. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Mom Cave. Thank you so much. We're excited to be here. Yes, this is going to be such a great conversation, and I'm so excited to meet you both, and I love the work that you're both doing. Um, but first, I want to start with how you met, because I think it's going to give context for this whole entire conversation. So I don't know which one of you wants to take that, but it's a very cool story. You know, we met 25 years ago, walking out of a racial identity conversation when we were undergrads at Harvard. Um, And I think Misasha always likes to point this out, but it's important to note that it was actually partway through the meeting as they kicked it off and they were sort of setting the stage and asking some questions. We didn't really agree with how they were framing the conversation. And so a handful of us got up and we met in the doorway as we were all leaving. So it's only fitting that 25 years later, we're here doing this work together, talking about racial justice. That's an amazing story. Wow, to think that that was 25 years ago and how far you've come in the work that you've been doing. You have to be very proud of that. Thank you. you. Let's talk about what you do. So Sarah, let's start with you. How did you settle on the title of your book and your podcast? It's called Dear White Women, Let's Get Uncomfortable About Talking About Racism. So how did you settle on this title and why did you decide to really focus in and hone in on this particular audience? I think there's a couple of reasons. You know, first of all, Misasha and I are both biracial. We're both the daughter of a white parent and a Japanese immigrant parent each. And so questions of identity, I mean, as you heard about how we met, have been central to who we are since we were really little. But we've been able to, because we're also biracial, float in circles of white women kind of undetected for for most of our lives. And so we hear what's being said what's not being said, and also what's being said when people think there's no one of color in the room. And so between knowing that and then also knowing the power that women have, I mean, we have so much power, right? We have power of influence in like our workspaces, in the PTA, if you have kids around our kitchen table, you know, how we spend our money 
and voting. I mean, there's just so many ways that we have influence and that white women in particular can use their voice to really make change that we wanted to talk to this group of people that we know have power that we're so familiar with and we know can really lead a lot of change to make our community stronger for all of us. And moms. Moms Being that in this particular. show is mom to mom. We know that moms are the ones that make things happen, right? So this is yes. definitely an important audience. So Misasha, you really talk about three pillars um, when it comes to your anti-racism work and really what it's built on. So would you mind sharing those three things with us? I think it's a really good jumping off point. Yeah, so those three pillars are listen, learn, and act. And when we talk about listening, we're talking about sharing personal narratives, you know, stories that you might not hear, um, you know, throughout your own social circles, because maybe in your social circles, everyone looks a lot like you. And so we really try and build empathy by sharing stories that, um, talk about a different narrative, you know, in the United States, a different narrative than ones we've grown up with or ones that we're familiar with. And then building on those narratives, we move into the learn piece, which is really talking about the history that we may not have learned in schools, right? Because mm -hmm. we know that, um, and we know that now based on what's going on with our kids' schools, that um, history is taught very unevenly and it, throughout the states, throughout communities. And so we want to create a baseline understanding of what is this history of our country and how how did we get from the founding of our country to where we are now? And then that third step, the act part is really one that we lean into heavily because with listening and learning is really great to build that foundation, but acting is what gets us, you know, to that change that Sarah was talking about. And it doesn't have to be big, huge sweeping acts. Um, it can be changing and thinking very intentionally about how you move through those spheres of influence that we all have as women and as moms. Which one of those pillars would you say that you find that people are struggling with the most right now? Would it be the listen, learn, or act? Act, for sure. I think um, people believe, or we've heard people say, you know, I, I believe that people are equal. Um, I, I, I fully believe that. But then when we ask, okay, well, what are you doing in your everyday lives to make sure that all voices are being represented? I think that's where people are like, oh, you know, I... I I, I need to move into that stage. And I think there's been a lot of fear or a lot of, you know, just not wanting to say the wrong thing or not wanting to do the wrong thing. And I think that what in our work, we really talk about how, you know, it's not perfectionism that's going to get us forward, right? It's making those mistakes and learning from those mistakes, but still trying to intentionally make change. I do think that people tend to get a little paralyzed, right? Because they don't know exactly what to do. And like you said, afraid of making that mistake. So in some ways it feels safer and easier to simply do nothing, which doesn't move the needle for anyone, right? No, in fact, it keeps the, the systems flowing in the direction that they've always been created to be, which is in the system of racism, right? There's a lot of structures built into our country. And if we're not actually actively taking steps to work against it, to change the tide in our communities, then we're sort of quietly moving in that direction and, and not being as anti-racist as our heart and our emotions and our hopes would, would want us to be. So I think that action part's really important. So in your book, and you talked a little bit about this, you talk about the history. And I'm sure that a ton of research went into everything that you've done. So um, in the book, you talk about Black and white America, but you also dig into Asian American history um, and hate, and you really get into the why. 
And so I imagine when you were researching all this and looking into all this, it had to be a very difficult experience, I would think, for you guys. No matter how long we've been involved in this work, I think it continues to be surprising to uncover new facts that you discover. You're like, oh, yet another, uh, you know, an instance where, wow, I didn't realize that. And, and for example, one of the things, you know, one of the conversations we had recently was about the Japanese incarceration camps. And while I've heard about these things, to actually dig in and hear stories from survivors of those camps, to realize that people we went to college with when they showed up hadn't actually heard that the American government imprisoned its own citizens in camps on on our soil. You know, that sort of stuff continues to surprise us, surprise me. But once you learn it, you can't unlearn it. And I find it more helpful to know than bury my head in the sand and, and pretend that it didn't happen. And it wasn't that long ago. No, no, that's the other part. Right. It's always shocking when yeah. you get into that. So let's talk about the podcast a little bit. It is wonderful. You guys get into so many amazing discussions, really good stuff. And I like how you organize it. So it's kind of like in categories. So there's no question about what you're going to get into. So you've got conversations for white women, for parents on being black, why were you so intentional about how you set the podcast up? I mean, first of all, we have 160 episodes and counting. And so wow. after a while, people are like, where do we start? How do I get into this conversation? But I think part of what we've all talked about already is how important that action piece is. And sometimes it's important you know, to, to give access to people where they are so that we can all start learning, hearing stories about people, learning the history, and then figuring out what we can do in those spheres of influence. And so we felt like the more clear we were, about who might really hear things clearly from certain episodes, we thought, well, let's just start tagging them in those categories and, and help streamline and navigate all of the resources we already have made available. We want to streamline. Like there is so much out there and there's so much great information out there, but it is so nice when it's organized, especially for a parent who is just looking to get some information when they're on their walk or commuting or whatever it may be. So I think that's really cool. Um, one of the things you talk a lot about in the podcast and the book is intersectionality. And it's not just something you talk about or you write about. It's something that you're both very much living. So Misasha, I wonder what you learned about racism being the wife of a black man that you may not have known before that. Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm going to say a lot, right? Because I, I think that, um, you know, we all show up differently in this country and being a biracial Japanese and white woman is not at all the same as being a black man in this country, right? I have a, a lot of privilege and a lot of spheres that my husband will never have. And I think that really came home for me when I had my boys because, you know, my biggest fear for them, one of them, um, is that they'll walk out of our doors and not come back, right? Solely based on the color of their skin. And I, I, that is a devastating fear for a parent to have, right? Because the minute they walk out of my doors, they're in everyone else's hands. And, um, and, and those fears, right? Those, those were not fears that I have for myself. Those are not fears that I hear reflected among people, but, but every day I think about how to keep them safe, um, in a world that is not structured to keep them safe at all. And so that is what I have learned that it is so that racism, right, is so pervasive that it is in everything. It's in everything I think about with regards to them, um, whether I like it or not. And I'm sure you continue to learn every single day. I mean, it never ends, right? 
every day. And, you know, my older son is now getting to that point where he's no longer going to be looked at as cute anymore. He's going to, for black boys, you move from cute to aggressive. And mm -hmm. he's a kid who loves, you know, he wants to save the earth and he, he's very anti-climate change and he loves his little brother so much, but that's not what people will see when they see him on the street. Um, they will see a black boy, you know, soon black man. And that really scares me. And for Sarah, your husband is white Canadian. So I'm wondering some of the things that he's learned from you and that you're learning from him. Yeah. I mean, and I asked him this recently because it's been interesting, you know, we've been doing this work for years and, and I was wondering how is it growing up in Canada versus, versus seeing what's happening in the U S and he said, the biggest thing is that he really saw how racism is far more systemic and spread like really entrenched in the system than he ever thought was possible. And he's learned that through things that are accessible to all of us, you know, doing this work, we watch films like 13th, we watch, um, you know, what, what was that film called? I'm trying to remember, but like the, the, the one of the Central Park Five. Oh, I can't think of the name of it either. But okay. when they I'm see so us, sorry. That... When they see us, that's right. Um, you know, continuing to watch some of these, bringing these films and shows into our home and watching them together has really opened his eyes to the way news stories now read and and the headlines that he sees. He just sees the systemic nature of it and kind of. What I thought was cool was that he went from saying stuff like, well, I'm not racist, which is something that a lot of us want to think, um, to saying, wow, it's really about the systems and all of us are living in it, breathing in it. And, and we want to make a different choice for our kids to understand that this is sort of the air we breathe and how can we intentionally do different things to, to offset that. Well, we've touched on this a little bit, but motherhood is so central to everything and especially this anti-racism work. So Misasha, what are some of the things that we can be doing as parents, as moms, at home with our kids to be allies? Um, first of all, talk about race, right? Talk about race, because we all have a race. Um, and I think something that Sarah and I have, you know, come up against a lot in our work is that um, in particular, white people have felt that white is not a race and it is a race. It is how we show up in this country. Um, while race is a social construct, right? We all have one. And so I think it's really important because kids really want to learn. They really feel the sense of fairness and justice, right? And so the earlier we start talking to them about race um, in ways that are age appropriate, the more the, it's not gonna be comfortable necessarily ever to talk about race, you know, with your kids, kind of like talking about sex with your kids, but it'll get easier, right? And they will come to you with questions and it'll be something that you, we can all grow together. Because I think, you know, in, in certain households like mine, we talk about race as a means of survival, but in other households, it's been a choice. And so I think the more that kids know, the more agency kids feel to, to be those upstanders, to, uh, you know, interrupt situations um, and to make different choices all the, that we've been talking about for themselves in the future too. I want to talk a little bit about the podcast. I, like I said, how many episodes? Hundred and sixty plus. Yes. Okay, that's amazing. So this one's for both of you. We'll start with you, Sarah. I'm curious, the one that stands out the most to you from the podcast series? It's such a good question. You know, people really trust us with their stories. I feel so honored that people are are getting really vulnerable and, and willing to let us help share their stories. And so from that perspective, you know, tough is some of the ones that really hit home. And I think um, 
listening to Marcus Bullock talk about his experience being incarcerated as a 15 year old in an adult penitentiary and what that experience was like for him coming out of the system and rejoining society. Uh, I had never had a conversation like that before. And, and I remember just being bowled over thinking like, wow, I'm so honored to have this conversation and let him trust, uh, trust us to, to share this. You see so many different perspectives that, I mean, it's like on this show, I feel so lucky. I talked to so many different people and I said, hopefully through osmosis, <laughs> you know, I'm listening, I'm learning. And um, it's amazing what you can do when you just listen to other perspectives and, and hear what other people have to say. So Misasha, same question for you. One that really sticks out for you, or maybe even the most difficult conversation that you had. Yeah, I, um, you know, there's, there's so many, right? Because as Sarah was saying, it, when people trust you with their stories, you really want to do that justice. And sometimes it's hard to know what questions to ask, um, in particular, when people share really difficult stories. And, you know, Sarah was talking about the incarceration camps, and we interviewed John Tateishi, who was three when he was sent to an incarceration camp, um, and was six when he came out. And so hearing his stories, um, and also his stories of, and of the aftermath of the incarceration camps and how he was taunted and treated by white classmates when he came out and and how sort of the trajectory of his life was changed was so powerful and so painful at the same time because as we discussed this this wasn't this is recent history we have living survivors of those camps um, and and we still have questions to this day as to who is considered an American in this country. And so that was the central question of that podcast. And that one has stayed with me for a really long time. So Sarah, who would be your dream guest? Dream booking. Um, oh my gosh. Can we talk to Michelle Obama, please? That'd be wonderful. Oh, yes. <laughs> Sign me up for that too. Right? You can, we can all just talk to her together. Put her on my calendar. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. How about you, me, Sasha? Um, I have the same one, really. I, I can't think of someone better than Michelle Obama. I think she's been on our number one. Like if someone can connect us with her, we even if we had two minutes of her time, that would be- Put it out in the universe. Right? You I mean, Serena Williams out. would also be fabulous. Let's be honest. We can talk yes. about the healthcare system. There's so many people yes. out there. Oh yes, gosh, she's yes. got so much that she could talk to. Um, so what's next for you, ladies? You have a book, you've got the successful podcast. Uh, you're making a difference in the world. What could be better, but what's next? We're really focused right now on, on bringing these conversations to groups of white women because a lot of our work is really heart-led. Um, sometimes people can hear things differently from people who look like us, you know, and, and I want um, to, to people to understand what that biracial experience might be like, might understand some of the history and be sort of more willing to get uncomfortable with us so that they can see what role they can play to make change. And so whatever, you know, we can do to get in conversation, whether it's book clubs or people in companies, white affinity groups, that's the work that we're really doing uh, at the moment and what we're focused on growing. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This was enlightening and it was so wonderful talking to you. So thank you both so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having us. This was wonderful. All right, that's a wrap for this episode of Mom to Mom, the podcast. Thank you so much to my guests, Sarah and me, Sasha, for this eye-opening 
conversation. It was so wonderful to talk with them. So I hope you liked it too. A little reminder, if you are in the New England area, you can watch Mom to Mom the TV show on Mondays at 11.30 a.m. on NBC10 Boston. And if you've got a little time on your hands and you want to listen to some great conversations, you can binge the Mom to Mom podcast. You can find it wherever you find your podcasts. And so many of these topics are available to you to listen to. And if you'd be a gem, I'd love for you to rate and review the show. That would mean a lot to me. So thank you so much for tuning in today. And I'll see you next time on Mom to Mom. Mom to Mom.